We are learning Daf Mem Gimel. We're starting from the very bottom of Mem Beis Amid Beis, uh, where it says Va'atam Iatam Kain. So again, that we're talking about the context of the Meshuach Muhammad giving his speech, his pep talk in Lashon Hakaidish. We learned as well to the people right before war, and he was describing how for you Hashem is going to go with you to fight. So the Gemara says, Kolka What does he mean that Hakadosh Baruch Hu goes together with Klal Yisrael? What is the point of this? That's Hashem is behind you, but it sounds like it's more Hashem goes together with you. So the Gemara explains that that's the truth. They, Hashem b'chol because the name of Hakadosh Baruch Hu and all of the other kinuyim, all of the other names, the way we refer to Hashem, munachem ba'aron, are placed inside of the aron that goes with them to battle. So they used to have a special aron which accompanied them, and there were these names of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. All the different types of names were placed inside of the aron. Mostly, most of them, Mefarshim learned that obviously we have to be we careful to understand this isn't the aron which was usually put. Inside of the of the Mishkan, it was a, se- a separate one, one that was a wooden one that was made by Moshe Rabbeinu, where there was the um, some of the Shiva Luchos and the names here of the of Akalish Baruch which were placed that accompanied them to war, and that's what the pasuk is referring to, and what the and what the now the Kohen is referring to when he says Hashem goes with them into the battle. That literally the Shemos of the Eibushta are physically present with them. Omer, where do we see that the Aaron is with them in battle? The Omer, it says here, with the war when Moshe was fighting with Midian, Moshe sent them, there was a thousand from every trade, from every Shevet. Them and Pinchas. So Osam, who was them? Elos and Edrim. Pinchas said Moshiach Muhammad. That was the role of Pinchas. Pinchas was the coin of Moshiach Muhammad there. Kleya Kodesh. And then the Pasuk says that he sent the, the Holy Caleb. What is that? So Aaron Beluchos Shabbat. Aaron and Beluchos. Continues the Gemara. Tano, it says in a bride. So Pinchas was there. So Lolachin while Pinchas and Muhammad. It was not for any. For, it wasn't for nothing that Pinchas went to the war here with Midian. Why was it so important that Pinchas. Go to the war with Midian. Eli Paradin Avi Imo. It was to, 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 to punish for the claim of his mother's father. We're going to explain that his mother's father here is Yosef. And Yosef was sold by the Midianim. The Midianim were the ones who sold him as a slave. So Pinchas is going to be Makana here, the covet of his of his Zeta, of his mother's father, uh, Yosef. So the Gemara is saying, it sounds like you're saying, it sounds like Pinchas comes from Shevet of Yosef. But it says that Allah's of an Isha. So it says that Allah's the son of Aaron takes a wife and the daughters of Putiel. So who's Putiel? My love, the awesome Yisro. It means that they came from Yisro, who's called Putiel, because he fattened up. That's Pitaim, the cast for Avodazara. So we see that the father here of Pinchas, his mother, is, is actually Yisro. So we get the wrong, the wrong person, the wrong descent. You're saying it's from Yosef. He's really from Yisro. So the Lord says, lo, me Yosef. The reason Putiel really is, is, is Yosef, and the reason why he's called Putiel is Shepitpeit be Yitro. Pitpeit means he pushed away his desire to overcome it, right? That's the story of the H.S. Potiphar. So really, the, he just got the name wrong. Putiel does not mean Yisro, but rather it's a reference to Yosef, and his mother's father was really Yosef here. So didn't we have that whole story, right? Pinchas killed Zimri when he was sleeping with the non-Jewish woman. So, so weren't the Shvatim, weren't they making fun of, of Pinchas? And they said to him, do you see this son of Puti? Who means, the son whose mother's father fanned up Kasra Bodhazara, and that's obviously referring to, referring to Yisrael, and he goes and kills a Nasi in so clearly we see that it is true that he comes from Yisrael. And that was the whole score, and that was the whole thing that they were saying. How could this guy, who does he think he is, to go up and kill uh, a Nasi in for doing a sin when he comes from Yisrael? 
So it's clear he does come from Yisro. So our question comes back: How is he both from from his mother's side, both from Yisro, and also from his mother's side, from Yosef? That it makes sense he's going to fight Midian to avenge the honor of Yosef. So the Gemara says, "Ella Yavu the imeim Yosef." If you want to say his mother's father is from Yosef, we could say his mother's mother was from Yisro, or we could say the other way: Yosef, his mother's mother came from Yosef. Avu the imeim Yisro, we could say his mother's his mother's father came from Yisro. So either way, we're saying classic Jewish answer here. Both points are correct. He could be a descendant of Yisro and Yosef on his mother's side. There's no problems with that. The Konami, we see this way. Butiel is spelled there with a Yod. So what, what does that mean? Tremashma has two meanings. Meaning both meanings go into the word. It's, it's Pitaim and Pitpates. Both meanings are actually true. Butiel has duality meaning referring to two different people. It's referring to Yosef because he's Pitpates. He pushed away the Yitzhar. And it's referring to Yisro. He was Mephateim. The cast for Avodazar, both things are true. Shmami, we conclude that in fact Yisro descended from both men. So this was all just a small tantrum. Who Yisro was descended from Yosef and from Yisro, both on his mother's side, and he went into the war with Midian. And we got into this because it said that Moshe sent the Kleiakodesh, which means the Aaron, which explained the Kohen speech when he said here that Hashem is literally going with you to war because of the name was Avodazar Baruch who were placed in that Aaron. All right, now we get to the other psukim here. Before the war, the Shotim speak to the people and they say, Whoever built a new home and he hasn't yet been means to inaugurate, to start using it. So he can go and, he can go and return home. Uh, and so the Mishnah tells you, and this is true not only for a regular residential area, but even if it's a, of someone who builds a barn for straw, which is not a great place to live. You could live with this straw, but it's not great. Or base a buck or a cattle barn where the animals are base eats them, or maybe it's just a store it's a storehouse of of wood. Base oats or general storehouses, wine, oils, whatever you're storing there. All these types of homes, um, if you if you built them and you didn't inaugurate them, that you could go back. This is true not only for building or if you buy or even if you inherit or it's a present. The point is you have in your possession a new home you haven't yet inaugurated. Basi continues, someone who planted a vineyard, he hasn't yet redeemed it. So just to understand, person who plants in the vineyard, there are three years when it's Arla. The fourth year, it's not the Ravai. You take the fruits of your Shalim or you redeem them and uh, take the money up. And then in the fifth year, in the fifth year, then all the fruits are permitted. So the Pasuk is saying, if you have a, a Karim, you have a vineyard, haven't yet redeemed it, meaning it hasn't passed the time that you've done that to revive, then you can go home. That's the, that's the Yisrael. When the Pasuk says, meaning it's important that it got through the fourth year. So we explain, this is true for a vineyard. It could also be five uh, trees that have fruit. It doesn't have to be specifically of a vineyard. Meaning even if there are five of different species. And we, we're going to see, obviously, this comes from a Pasuk, but um, Karem is you know, like usually has a specific format in the way that it is, and it's five the way this plant. And we're saying that it's it's used loosely here, it's just fruit bearing trees, and as long as there are five of them. true if you plant the tree, or if you layer or grafting. These are different ways of of um, mixing things together, where you're creating new growth, and not necessarily planting from scratch. So this is all true. or buying or or was given to him as a gift. All these cases, so you had the new vineyard. Or some new growth in the vineyard, even and you haven't yet been mechalit, you can return home. the woman who did the man who did erisin with a woman, so that means he's married to her, but he hasn't yet consummated his marriage, so he could go home. So he hasn't yet done um, done nisuin. This is true if he's taking a girl who's never been married. Or even if he's taking a girl who's already been married. Or let's say it's a yavama. So that's even if it's someone who. 
who's already been married to his brother, but his brother died without children. So now we, 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 we include that that person can go home. Even if he just now hears about it, it's not like, oh, it was from before. It's literally in, he gets, a, he gets news about it while he's at the camp, still he's allowed to return, to, return home. Hotel he returned back to his house to do the evil. All these people, they hear the words of the coin about this, about who has to fight. And they go back from the war. And then while the war is going, it's not like they have the past not to care about uh, the, the, the communal needs. Rather, Matsvika and my Muslim, their job becomes to supply water and food. And with Sakhna Sidrach, when they repair the roads, if the army might have to go through. So in other words, they do, they do go home, but Lamaisa, they have a lot of duties that they have to attend to. However, there are people who do not return. Not everybody has the right to return. Let's say, Abana Peshach, Sachar Pesach, somebody's not building a house, he's building a, some sort of gate, a gatehouse, porticos, galleries, but these aren't places that are, are storage or, 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 or living in any way. So even though you're building a structure, but that's not a home in any sense, and therefore uh, you don't return. If you plant only four type of, of trees, four trees, or if you have five trees, but they don't have fruit. A master is grushas, so somebody takes back a woman that he divorced. So it's, it's not a new marriage. He's already been married to her. So therefore, since it's not a new wife, he does not return. Or even if it uh, is a new one, but it's forbidden, let's say it was Almada the Kongolo, a widow marrying Kongolo, a Bishop Kohen Hedyot, a divorced woman marrying a regular Kohen, Mamzeris and Yisrael, Mamzeris marrying Yisrael, Mamzeris and Yisrael, Mamzeris and Yisrael marrying a Mamzeris. All these cases of forbidden marriage, Lo Yechoser, the husband does not return. Only a permitted marriage you return, not a forbidden marriage. Now, Rabbi Yudal Mary qualifies returning home for the for that returning back for the home. If you build a house on the original place, you don't return because you have the same idea. Just like you know, you take back the same woman, so then then it's not a new wife. So here it's not a new home. You 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 are rebuilding the same home when it's on the same spot. So then you don't go back. If somebody builds a house of bricks in in the place of Sharon, he will not return. So it's, it's so the idea here is that it's very difficult to make the bricks here. The clay is not good for making it. So therefore, you have to build. You have to constantly be rebuilding the homes. Every, every, uh, twice in seven years, you have to rebuild it. So therefore, it's considered temporary, even though you build a home, but it's considered a temporary structure since it always has, constantly has to be rebuilt and you would not return back home. However, now, we've been, now we're going to take a, a third category. Until now, we've discussed people who don't return that we just discussed and people who, who go to the war but come back. Now we're going to discuss a third category. These are people who never even have to go out to the war. They, they have such a strong exemption, they don't even have to bother going to the war to then return home. They just don't go to the war at all. Who are these people? Someone who built a house, who had, and he's already started living there, but he hasn't yet lived there for a year. So there he doesn't even go. Now there's a person who built it and hasn't inaugurated it. He goes and then he returns. But this person who's built it and started to live in it, but hasn't been there for a year, doesn't leave. He never leaves his home. Uh, someone planted a vineyard and he redeemed it, but he hasn't had the full year. Uh, so in other words, it's in the middle of the fourth year. Again, he would not leave at all. Someone who took his wife in, in, in Nisuin, he has done Nisuin, he has the Chupa, but he's still in Shana Rishonah. Or someone who did Yuvama and again, didn't live with her for a full year. Where do we get this idea for? From, in other words, that if he's in the middle of the inauguration the first year, that we say, it says in the says that he should be free uh, to his home for one year. And the Pasuk says, he'll make his wife happy, the one, his wife that he has just taken. So this is the exemption of the house. If you haven't yet been there for, for, if you haven't yet been there for a year, you, can go, you don't even have to go out to war. Yeah, it's a karma. Yeah, it's an exemption for the vineyard if you haven't finished the fourth year. Simach is talking about 
literally a wife. Ashra Lakach, he has taken the Habis of Yimta. He's talking about Yavama. Hasn't been a full year, Yavachah don't leave. And in these cases, people are in the middle of Shana Rishona, he must speak in Maimimimazon. They don't have the obligation to supply water or food for the troops. They don't have to repair the roads. They're totally exempt. So in the category that we learned with, the, the, the simple Pshan, the Pshokan, people who go out and the people who come back, those are people who have planted the vineyard, people have built the house, people have done Arison, and are now returning because they haven't yet consummated what they have. There, when they go back, they have to be busy with the service of the army. But these people who are learning from the Pshokan don't even go out at all, so these people don't have to busy themselves in any sense. Says the Gemara, the Pasuk says, the Shotrim will, will say, the, that they, 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 they state these exemptions. You might say that they're their own words. You might say it's the Shotrim, meaning that we, we've been talking about the Kohen speaking, but here the Pasuk says, the opening of the Pasuk about the exemption is that uh, the Shotrim, the officers, I would say it's the Shotrim. Later on, the Pasuk adds, perhaps unnecessarily, that the, the Shotrim should now add. It sounds like there they start talking, but the earlier Pesukim wasn't their things. So the Yasuah Shotrim, when they, that Pesuk, just to understand what the context is, it's after all the exemptions, the Pesuk says, whoever is too afraid can go home. Me can return. So the Pesuk says, the Yasuah Shotrim, the Shotrim continue to talk and to say. So if they've already been talking, what does it mean they'll continue to talk? Continue to talk means that they're now opening their mouth and they'll talk as well. But they've been talking before, they've been saying all the exemptions. Must be, Yamani Mekayim. I, the, the beginning when we're stating the exemptions, it also said the officers are the ones speaking. It's repeating what the Kohen already said. The Kohen would first speak it, and then the officer would repeat it for everybody to hear, maybe perhaps just to, you know, for emphasis, right? just to repeat what the Kohen said. So what we're saying is, even though the Pasuk says that the, shoter said, the, shoter, the officer is the one who says the exemptions really was said by the Kohen first. And then the officer just repeats it. And then later on, that's where it's just the Shoter who says it. So now the Mark clarifies all this through some Brises. Tani Chad, the one Brises says, Kohen Medaver, Shoter Mashmiya. One Brises says, the Kohen speaks, and the officer repeats. Tani Yidach, another Brises says, Kohen Medaver, Kohen Mashmiya. The Kohen speaks, and the Kohen makes his words be heard. Tani Yidach, a third Brises says, Shoter Medaver, Shoter Mashmiya. That the officer speaks, and the officer makes his words be heard. So, so which one is it? It must be as follows. When the Kohen gives the pep talk, the chizah, the encouragement, which we learned that happens right at the spot of the war, that's all the Kohen. No, no officer at all. Like the words of chizah, that Hashem will be with you, don't be afraid, that's all the Kohen. From the part about who's exempted from war. So that's Kohen. The exemptions of war are first said by the Kohen and then repeated by the officer. On the last point, that anyone who's afraid should return home, that's the officer speaking and the officer making his words be heard. So they're different points in the dialogue. Okay, now we get into this. Whoever built a new home. So we said that it doesn't make a difference whether it's built, bought, inherited. And we also said that it could be a lot of different types of homes. It doesn't have to be the most normal residential area. So Tanah Rabbana, Asher, Bana, and the Elisha Bana, I would only know about building. How do we know if you come to acquire it? Buy, buying it, inheriting, or getting it as a gift. It says, who is the man who built? So that these are extra words by saying ish. It could have just said me Sharbana, whoever built. Why does it say ish? So we come to say, however, a person acquired a house, even if he didn't build it, he still is exempted. Continuing, so that was from the word ish. Now we continue. I only know regular home. How do I know to include the barn where the cattle are, the shed, and the storehouses? It says who built me any type of house 
will exempt him from war. And here it's all about the, uh, the sequence. It could have said, who is a person that a house he built, and it would emphasize the object of the house and say, Dafka house. But instead it says, who is a person who built a home. So we say, it's as if a home is really independent. Who is the person who built? If you built, if you're a builder, then, 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 then you return home. Even if it's not technically what the next word in the Pasuk is, which is a bias. A very interesting drasha. So there's a tour for being a builder. If you built, then you can go home. Well, well, then wait a second. It doesn't have to be homes. So and maybe it could be any structure, even a porch. But the mindset of the Torah did give the example of a home. So we say it's anything which is likened to a home. A bias or It's fit to live. I'll call it royal deer. Anything which is fit to live. So the gatehouse or the, you know, the porch isn't fit for living, so therefore you don't get exempted. But if you have a storehouse that's fit for living, you have a barn, something like that, it's fit for living, just usually people don't live there, then you would, in fact, return. Says the Gemara, not everyone agrees. Our blessed Yaakov Omer buys Kamashmo. Houses according to the simple meaning. Only an actual house, the barn, the storehouse, would not return. He argues on the Tanakhama. Now we continue. Lo chanach, lo chanacho. It didn't say lo chanach. It says lo chanacho. With like an extra vav, like the it. The Pasuk saying emphasizes he hasn't inaugurated it. So that comes to exclude a case. It comes to exclude if someone stole. If someone stole a house, he does not go back for it. He did an Israel here, he doesn't go back. So it's like the Gemara, well, wait a second. The point, why do we even have to talk about this idea whether or not a Gazan stole a house? If he's exempted because of that to go back for the house, remember the last thing that the Shofet says is anyone who's afraid goes home. So what's the guy afraid of? Anyone who's faint of heart. Anyone who's afraid of a sin in his hands. That means that the sinner, according to Rabbi Yosef Lili, does not participate. So according to Rabbi Yosef Lili, anyways, a thief would return home. So the bride was saying that if someone who's stealing the house, he's not potter, he has to say, because only someone who has a, came to the home in a permissible way. So it's saying that the thief would remain in battle. But how can we say the thief would remain in battle? If we have the other halacha from Rabbi Yosef Lili, that sinners don't, don't fight. Ishai means the people who are afraid of the sins that are in their hand, they return. So how is the Gazan fighting? Says the Gemara for the Tamar Bishop. We can make we can reconcile. We'll go into Abachuvi Abdami. The case is the thief already did the Shuvah. He repaid the owner money for the home. So he's not, he's no longer a sinner. But Lamaisa, he, he doesn't have the tour of going back for his home because he stole it. So he could have our cake and eat it too. He's not he's gonna be there is a case of a thief who will fight a war. What's the case? The case is he did Teshuva, so he's no longer a Rasha, he's not afraid of the sin. But Mitzacheni, the home that he has, is still still didn't come to him permissibly, and therefore he doesn't return. So isn't he really just a buyer then? If he paid for it, right? He gave money. So he is the buyer. So then he should return home. So he got it through theft. No, he doesn't return. Even though he ultimately gave cash for it, but he's considered a gazon, it's considered a stolen home in the sense that the way it originally came to his ownership was through theft. So, so that's when he will, he will not return home. He will go fight. But in the if he never gave money, then he's a sinner, then obviously he would go home as being a sinner. Said now we talk about the vineyard. So we talk about the same types of drushes here. Asher nata planted. I would only do regular planting. How do I know if he bought the vineyard and inherited it? We got it as a gift. Again, he could have just said minata whoever planted, but it said mia ish the person, any person who, who came to the vineyard, even if he didn't actually plant it. He didn't do it. Karam, I would only a regular vineyard. How do I know that we exempt from war someone who has five fruit trees, even if they're from different species? Asher, Nata. Doesn't it, it, it's telling us, even though it goes on to say Karam, it didn't it, 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 by putting Asher Nata before the Karam, we're saying whoever planted. 
doesn't make a difference what type of vineyard it is. So maybe take it further. Whoever planted, even if there's no if there's no fruit at all. The Torah said an example that it gave us a vineyard. So we say only something similar to the vineyard, which is in, like an orchard that has five fruit-bearing trees. However, one opinion disagrees, just like we have this opinion by bias, we have it by Karim. A Karim has to be the way it's simple, meaning is an actual vineyard, but an orchard of other fruit trees does not exempt. Instead of saying he hasn't redeemed, he hasn't redeemed it. So we get that same type of drasha. Someone who layers and grafts, if you did grafting, then you do not return home. It has to be regular planting. That's not what the Mishnah said. The Mishnah said, that for grafting, you do return home. So we have a stira. The price is saying, that excludes the grafter from going home. He has to remain in war. The Mishnah said, even grafting exempts you from the war. So the Gemara explains as follows. The idea is that if you did a be'iser, if you grafted be'iser, then you don't return home. But if you grafted be'ed, if you grafted in a permissible way, then you are allowed to return home. So what is the case of grafting be'iser in the case of grafting be'ed? So the Gemara explains. Amar Avzir, Amar Avchista, Lokasha, Ka'an, Barakava, Sisir. The price is talking about that you did our kava of different species, right? So that's what it's saying. The word it, velochilo, is coming to exclude if you did an iser grafting. Kalim, you have an issue of mixing different species. So if you would take one species of a tree and mix it with the other, so that's an illegal grafting there, then you stay in war. You don't go back. The Mishnah was talking about permissible grafting. Let's say it was in its own species, so there was no iser of kalayim, then it would be permitted. Then you would go back. So the Gemara now has to clarify the case here. What's the case of Arkavas Hatter? Fine, it's all the same species. And you're, and you're grafting you know, one branch from a tree into another, and we're saying you're allowed to go home. What's the case? If you're going to tell me that it's a young tree that's being grafted together with another young tree, when we say young, we mean it's still within the years of our law. So wait a second then. Why do I need the grafting, the new growth of the, gra- the grafting to exempt him? Anyways, he's allowed to go home because of the other tree, which is young. If he's grafting two young trees together, making a new, a new, a new growth, then, 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 then Stami should be allowed to go home because of the, the one that he's moving the branch into. Anyways, he's still young. And since it's young, he could go back for that one. Remember, what's the halach? If something is within the first four years, you can go home. So if you're mixing a branch into a tree that's within its four, first four years, then forget about the branch and the grafting. You're allowed to go home because of the, because of the tree. Table of the bottom of the shown because of the first young tree, not because of the graft. So the case cannot be that you're grafting it into a young tree. El Yaldabas Ganus, what are you going to tell me? That you're grafting, uh, it's a young tree that's being grafted onto an old tree. You know, you're cutting, you take some, some cutting from a tree that's within the years of Arla and you're grafting it with a tree that already has been redeemed. So you wouldn't have been allowed to go home because of the big tree, because it was already past its past past the, the, the its, its, its immature state of the first four years. But you're saying because of the grafting that that you're going to go back for. That would make sense. That would be the way to explain. It. However, what's the problem? The Kamar is setting us up for a very interesting issue. What happened if a young tree is grafted onto an old tree? What's the halacha? What was the halacha with the fruit that grows? It's a fascinating child. First, that fruits that grow in the first three years are forbidden. In the fourth year, have to be redeemed. Here, it's an old tree, so it's past the four-year mark. Now I graft a new branch into it, so there's new fruit that's going to come out, which certainly is coming somewhat from the from the, from from the little bit. So, is that arla fruit? Do I have to worry about arla when it, when new fruit comes out? What's the halacha? No, I do not. Butla yalda bezgena. There's a halacha of bittel, just like when a little bit of milk falls into your chalun. 
we say if it's a little bit, it's bottle, you don't have to worry about it. So do here. When new fruit comes out after the grafting of the branch with the older tree, what do I say? It's the, the grafting, it's like it's nullified into the status of the tree. The tree is an older tree. Just because you bring a branch doesn't mean that the fruit that comes out has a shame arla. No, it's bottled. The growth, it, even the part that comes from the, from, the, from the new graft, it's bottled in the status of the, older, the, the overall older tree. And therefore, it's not subject to arla. The Inbal Din doesn't have arla. So what do we see here? That the fruit of a graft does not have to be redeemed. If you're, if you're putting it into an older one, the fruit won't have to be redeemed. So why would our Mishnah be saying that that's going to cost an exemption from battle? Again, how are we learning the case? That it was done by Hatter. It's all the same species. No, it's our client. But how are, we learning, how are we learning the case? If it's a young and to a young, anyways, if it would have gone back because of the young tree. Even if it's a young into an old, then the Kamar's Kashi is that shouldn't warrant an exemption from the war. Because the fruit that comes out that won't require Hilchos Arla and Hilchos Nata revised. So therefore, why in the world would you go home from war? So what's the case of grafting where the grafting is going to exempt you? So it's a young into a young. But I, you're going to say, why did I need the grafting to exempt? The case was that the first tree wasn't planted for the purpose of its fruit. It was planted to serve as a fence, meaning let's say there was a hole in your fence. So you know what you did to block, to block the area? You planted a tree there. Instead of repairing the fence, you, 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 plant, you planted a tree. So even though it grows fruit, the purpose of the tree isn't the fruit. In such a case, there's no helchaz arla. So the, or if you planted it for its wood. And therefore, since the fruit doesn't have to be redeemed, there's no halacha of arla and not to revive for, for the, the unbelievable halacha to learn. Not to revive and arla only applies to trees that were planted for their fruit. The intention was for the fruit. But if they were planted, not for the intention of the fruit, but for a different point, like to be close up a hole in a fence or something like that, or for the wood, there's no Hilchos Arla. So therefore, out the old tree, you want to return because there was no Hilchos Arla. But now that I graft new into it for the purpose of growing, now the grafting will allow me to go back. The Tan is, it says in the Mishnah, notice the Hilchos someone who planted a fruit-bearing tree, even though there's going to be fruit, but if you plant it as a, to be a fence or to, be, to get wooden beams, then it is exempt from Arla. So the, the main tree here is exempt from Arla. It's only the grafting now that's going to cause the excuse for him to go home. Sucked the Gemara though, but we didn't go get anywhere. Why? Because Vaidir it should have been bottle. My Shiyala was gained at the bottle. What'd you tell me if I plant a branch into an old tree? What's the halacha? The fruit's not chayven arla. Why? Because it comes nullified in the status of the tree that's receiving the graft. So we should say the same thing over here. If I have, even if it's a, uh, a too young tree, even if it's a young branch into a young tree, what are we saying? The young tree was potter from Arla. Why? Because it was planted for a different purpose, fence or to be beams. So therefore it wasn't chayv and Arla. But now the grafting, with the grafting, the fruit will be chayv. Why? Say the same lundus. Say that the grafting, it's not shot, it's making a new tree. It's going to come bottle in the tree that's receiving the graft. And the tree that's receiving the graft is potter from Arla. Why? Even though it's young? Because it was planted for a different purpose. So just like a young graft going into an old tree is not chayv and Arla because of the bittel principle. So you should say the same din in bittel here. The grafting going into the into the young tree that is potter for a different reason because it was planted to be a for the fence of the beams. You should say bittel and the fruit shouldn't be chayv. We're not getting anywhere. So the Gemara, huge lumps. Hasam in the case where the tree is old. Even if you change your mind, it cannot return to Arla. The older tree is an older tree. You can't make it younger. There's no way its fruits can be chayv. Therefore, it's mavatal the graft, and therefore the fruits are potter from Arla. By the tree over here that you planted for a different reason, if you change your mind and you designate the tree to be for fruit, then what happens is it could return to the laws of Arla. Unbelievable idea. When you plant a fruit-bearing tree, 
for a different reason. Let's say you want it to be a fence or to be for wood. If you change your mind at some point and designate it to be for the purpose of eating its fruit, it will, in fact, have Hilchot's Arla. So you could have, it's like mamash, an interesting riddle. Something can become Arla, let's say, a year or two into its life. How could it be? It should be right away. The answer is no. It was planted originally not for the intent of the fruit. But if I change my das to make it for the fruit, then... It could, in fact, become Chayv and Arla. So we're saying an interesting lumdus. The Bittal, what's all Bittal? Bittal is, I'm different than you. So therefore, I'm the Vatal you, right? I'm the majority, you're different from me, I'm the Vatal you. That's the concept. But here, what are we saying? That the young tree, even though it's Pater, it's Pater now. But it could theoretically become to a chiv if the owner would change its mind about designating it for fruit. Since even though it's in its potter state, it could theoretically be switched to a chayiv state, it won't be mavato, the grafting which is placed in it from the halacha of Arla. So now we understand that's the case where the grafting is machayev, is machayev in Arla, and therefore warrants the exception for more, is where it's young and young, but the tree that received the grafting was potter for a technical reason, and in that case, it will not be mavato, the grafting that goes in it. And the Gemara gives us a proof that if the tree was originally planted for its wood, it could become subject to Arla if you switch your mind. It's no different than trees that grow on their, on their own. It's not the trees grow on their own, they're chayv to Arla. It shows us that it doesn't require that you originally plant with the das to make fruit. So therefore, if you planted originally here a das for the wood, but then you switch your mind for the fruit, it would, in fact, become chayv and Arla. So after the Gemara, why didn't we explain different? Why don't we, again, we, want, we were trying to explain when the grafting is causing the exemption from the world. Why don't we explain? Maybe the case was it was a vineyard of two different owners. So one owned the tree and one different guy owned the graft. And that could explain why the grafting is pottering. I, we had a kasha that the, the, the young tree anyway should potter. The answer is, why don't we just explain it was a different person who owned the tree than the person who owned the graft. The owner of the host tree is going to go back because of his tree. The one owner of the graft will go back because of his graft. So why don't we explain that to be the answer for why the grafting is warranting the exemption from war. So Amar Papa, so you know what we learned from here? The vineyard is owned by two different partners. No one returns home. One vineyard cannot cause a tour for two different people. Each person you can only have a tour if you have your own vineyard. If two shoots them in a vineyard, it does not generate a tour for them. And that's why we couldn't establish the case like that. So I'll wait a second. Imagine there was a case where five brothers go to war. One of them died in battle. They all go back. Why? Because each one of them might do yibum to the, to the brother's wife. So what do I see from there? That one woman who could potentially do yibum to is exempt of all five brothers. So, so to here, if I have one vineyard with the five trees, it should exempt anyone who owns the vineyard, even if it's, even if it's a bunch of people. It says, Each one could theoretically become the wife. Each one of them could, could end up marrying this woman. So therefore, they're all exempt. Each one of them could be the individual Yavam. For each person, it's not his vineyard. There's no way it will ever be his vineyard. It's always our vineyard. So since it's always our vineyard, neither one is exempt. Again, over there, it could be that this woman will be taken to any one of the five people, the five brothers, so they are all exempt. Okay, so we ended up so far with one case of a permissible grafting that pottered you. Remember what was the case? The host tree was planted not for fruit. Uh, and now I'm play, and now I'm, I'm grafting new branch into it. Says the second shadow. The case is someone grafted the branch of a tree with a yarek, with herbs. 
So with like a vegetable here. So there's no halacha of Arla on a vegetable. So therefore, it, the vegetable wouldn't have pottered you. So the, so, so the exemption is only because of the grafting. Ah, you're going to ask, is it mutter? Is it really mutter to graft? To, you know, there's a law of climbing. Remember, it has to be permissible. If it's usher anyways, you don't go back. So is it permitted to graft a fruit with a vegetable? Yes, it is. We're going like this. He said he repeated the name of Yudim and Gamma from Kfarakal that it's Mutter, Racham, Osir, and Racham, So if you hold that it's Mutter, we could explain it that even though they're two different species, it's Mutter's move to, to graft a tree with a vegetable. So he was one who made the ruling here in the Mishnah. I have a Kasha. Why isn't it Batal? Why don't you say Bittal? By Bittal, you say, right? Yaldav is Kena, you say Bittal. The Gemara had Shver, Yaldav, Yaldav. But if the Yaldav is Potter for a different reason, why you don't say Bittal? The Gemara gave the Lumas. What about a tree with a vegetable? Why don't I say Bittal? That the, the vegetable thing should be mavatalit and therefore it's no chivarla. Terry says it's very different. The vegetable, it's not shot, it's potter. It just doesn't, it's just not a fruit tree, right? In other words, it's not shayach to arla. That's not bittal. Bittal is only a fruit tree that's potter, that's exempted. Let's say it's older, or let's say had the Gemara entertained the possibility if it was planted not for fruit. But here it's not in a vegetable, so therefore the grafting that's producing this fruit would not be bottle. Okay, now we go back for even a different shot. We, we, again, we had a kasha. Does grafting potter you from the war, or does, do you have to stay? Originally, originally, the Gemara was explaining it depends whether it was done permissibly or not. Hamani, who is the opinion that, that the grafting doesn't potter you? Just like he said, literally. It has to be a vineyard. He was the one who said it can't be an orchard of different fruit bearing trees because we read it literally. It has to be a vineyard. So, the same way he read that literally, he's going to understand planting is literal. Only for planting, but not for grafting. So, in Achanam, it's Machlokes Tanoim, and uh, the Mishnah was, was holding not like that, Brisa. Continues the Gemara, once we mention one thing, where we had Rav Dimi, B'Shem Rav Yochanan, saying, Yaakov, now we're going to go on tangents where other things have that. Kiyos Rav Dimi, Rav Yochanan. Rav Dimi came from Eretz Shalom, said over the name of Rav Yochanan, B'Shem Rav Lazman Yaakov, let's say I have a young tree, which is very small. For some reason, the tree is not growing big. It's less than a tavach. It forever is, has a din of Arla. You can never eat the fruit. Why? The Arla is only three years. What's the answer? It always looks like a one-year-old tree. You know, if you're going to eat the fruit from that tree, it looks like you're eating truma. They were concerned for that because it's such a small tree and therefore the fruit's always out there. So the said it's only true. Where it's a very small orchard. It was just two trees facing another two trees and one more sticking out, meaning just five. But if it's a huge... If it's a huge vineyard, meaning these tiny trees are, are making up a huge vineyard, Kala Isla, everybody knows about it, everybody's speaking about it, and therefore there's no concern. So it's interesting that the Gemara mentioned Hanimili that it was five. Why didn't the Gemara say Hanimili where it was one? So Rashi says that we're going like the opinion, interesting halacha, that in order to be chayv and arla, it has to be something which is like a vineyard, which has at least five, which is an interesting halacha. That's what, that's what Rashi seems to be saying, that less than that, Stam, if I have one, is never chayv and arla. We're saying it has to be the cases where it was a small vineyard and, and, and it was very small stuff. So even if it got past three years, you still have to observe the halacha of Arla. Says the Gemara, another thing, Yes, Rav Dimi, Rav Yochan, Mishra, Rav Lozman, Yaakov, Mace, Tofes, Arba, Amos, Akriyashma, a mace, it holds four amos surrounding it for the Isra to say Shema, meaning you're not allowed to say Shema, Mamash, on top of a mace. Why? What you're mocking the poor person. Here, the person who died, he cannot say Shema, so to say Shema on, on him is mocking him. You're not supposed to do that. So therefore, the Gemara is extending it and saying, not only on the grave itself, but even within the four Amma radius around the dead body, it's also to lean the Shema. 
Says the Gemara, Amar stepdaughter that is, is, is raised between stepbrothers, even though they're not biologically related. She can't get married to them. Why? It looks to be their sister. So therefore, it looks like an elsewhere marriage, and the Rabbana do not allow step siblings to marry one another. So the Gemara below is not true. They could marry colors, and also everybody knows about it. Everybody knows it's a stepsister, and there's no concern. Says the Gemara, that a poor man made into a big pile, they become obligated to be tithed. So a little bit of background. Normally, the halacha is hefker, things that are hefker, like, like manus anim, that the poor people pick up. They don't have to be tithed. He doesn't have to be worried about, should I give a little bit to the levy to the kohen? No such halacha. Anything that's hefker is potter. But we're saying, if he takes a lot, little by little, you know, builds his, he builds his portfolio here, the, the poor person, to the extent that finally he gets a big pile of grain and he smooths it over, he's producing it, which is very much the way usual farmer does it. So then, Midrabanon, he has to give miser. Why? Because Midrabanon, it doesn't look like it's hefker stuff anymore. Normally, hefker stuff, you have a little piece, a piece here, a piece there. Everybody knows it's hefker. And it's not going to look weird if he doesn't give miser. <clears throat> but if he's built up, little by little, a huge pile, the same way every farmer does, even though he did everything within his rights. But it looks like it's a regular farmer at this point. It looks like he grew it, and therefore it's chayv and miser. So I think, that's only true if the pile is made in the field. There people are going to say he, he grew it on the field. I will be here if it's made in the city. Everyone knows about it. It's not a regular harvest, but he knows it's little, you know, the little gatherings bit by bit that Donnie had, and there's no concern. Says the Gemara, a little vine that's less than a tefach tall. It's not mekadesh the zerayim for kileyakarim. So just to understand a little bit, if you have plants that grow near a vineyard, the halacha is they become aser. So really, midaraisa kileyakarim is when this vineyard that's growing with specific types of beans. You have to know what the sugi is, why it's like this. Not for us now, but suffice it to say that most things that grow next to a vineyard and mix are only aser midarabanan. So the rabbanan did not aser if the vine, if the the the, the grapes. The, the, were insignificant. If it was Pshusami Tavach, the Rabbanim were not Gozer. The Rabbanim were not Gozer, an insignificant Karem growing together with another species. If it was a small vineyard of a Kuli Karem, but if it was a huge Karem, then Makdish, it does Aser the nearby plants as Kili Karem. Even if it's a bunch of little vines, but since it's such a big vineyard, so it is significant. So basically, with the Rabbanim, there's a Din Kili Karem, Aser, all plants around it. The Rabbanim were lenient if it's a small vineyard and when they're, when they're small size um, vines. But if it's a big vineyard, then the Rabbanon, we're still after. Okay, we'll stop here for today.